When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The A-List Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome to another episode of the A-List Podcast. I'm Kwani Lunas, as always, joined by H. Rod Blakely, Gary Washburn. The Celtics live to see another day, at least of their season, in a very shocking way. They are back in it, folks. What do you two think? <laughs> back in it. Well, <laughs> The fact that they're still alive technically means that they're back in, in it because they were, they were, I mean, they were basically, they were down to their last life uh, in Miami and they did survive uh, to, to fight another day, play another game. And that's pretty much all they can feel really good about now. I, I, I just find it comical how, you know, basically they went from the, the cliff of having their season end to now, oh, they just went for it and wrote over deal. Um, okay, folks. Never mind the fact that 149 other teams have Not been in the boat, and every last one of them, their season it was at some point was one, two, three Cancun for all of them. So, we'll and see. that includes so, the most recent one of LeBron James and the Lakers against the Nuggets, who absolutely, have yeah, a lot of time to rest before the NBA Finals. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I'm curious what Gary thinks about this. I wouldn't say they're in it, but they have life, and I think. The way they have to look at this is that now it's no longer 3-0, it's 3-1, and there's been plenty of teams come back from 3-1. So now you have to look at you can't look at it like you can't you just got to basically ignore game four. And now you got to just try to get another one and just make them make them slow and, a bit. and then another one and then force a game seven. You're just crawling, you know, you're crawling, you're squirming at this point. The Celtics put themselves in a really bad position. Um, you know, and if they lose this series, we're going to have a lot of regrets. They're going to be going over this series. The first three games, especially the first two games, the, the th- game three, they just didn't show up. They quit. But game two, that's a game they should have had. You just, just, you just think how razor thin you are to an even series coming back for game five. Mm-hmm. Like if they happen to get game two, then it, it, we're not t- even if game three happens the way it was, they quit or whatever. They're still coming home tied with a three game series, a home court advantage. So it just it just just shows you the importance of playoff games and how you just can't give them away like the Celtics were and did in basically the first two games and especially game two where they just fell apart. I mean, it just shows you so. Whatever happens, if they lose this series, they're gonna. There's gonna be a lot of regrets and a lot of what ifs, and we should have done this is, and we should have done this is earlier. We should have done that earlier. We should have doubled Butler. We should have been this. We should have attacked it this way. So it's a, still a lot of issues, but they're alive. They got another game to play. You know, people are going to be there. They're still alive. They're not dead. So you got to keep fighting as long as you're not dead. Yeah, right now it appears that they are holding on by an actual thread. To your point, if they were not to make it out of this series, it does seem as though there will also be a lot of Spider-Man memes, people pointing at each other, who's to blame. I don't know if they would let that get public, considering the reports that have already come out this past week about allegedly that, you know, they never got over email getting let go and there have been other issues in the locker room. I take all of that with, with a grain of salt because it seems as though Jalen has publicly disputed that Marcus Smart has disputed some of the reports as well. But like you said, everything seemed to go right for the Celtics in game four. Tatum has a double-double. Jalen Brown has 17 for rebounds and assists. Who stood out to you? Points of stats aside, who, who would you say stood out to you on the Celtics roster? And how would, do you think they have to come back home now and obviously defend the TD Garden. Who you got, Gary? I got a few people. Who you got, Gary? You got, I mean, you got to give credit to Grant Williams. Grant Williams, I mean, 
is this so many we're all thinking it (laughs) this is so there's so many things that are just messed up right now like why grant ain't played for the last few months what happened like there's going to be so many questions and you know that's we're going to have to do as reporters and journalists to figure out like or come to the bottom of why certain things why Peyton Pritchard was held out you know like what happened with Peyton Pritchard what happened in Grant Williams it's the Windhorse. what's going on in Boston yeah Yeah, like Grant like Grant is a useful (laughs) player you know I mean he's not a he's not a mess and and there's times he makes mistakes and I know that Philly series and he got in against Embiid and he committed two really bad fouls and sometimes he talks to him yeah okay whatever like you know, I don't have a problem with Grant. I didn't have no problem with him talking to Jimmy Butler. I didn't have any problem like Grant talk. It's what he does. I rather have him. And he owns it, which I do. Yeah, respect. I mean, he's a he 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 keeps going out. He's a tough kid, you know, in terms of like his 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 confidence. He is himself, and I like that. I admire. He ain't trying ever trying to be like nobody else. He loves to play chess. He loves. Like, he's he's a dude who's different than a lot of other guys in the league, you know, and. I I don't know what happened with Missoula just saying that dude you're not good enough to play in this team like that, and that the fact now that he's helping and helped in Game Four makes Missoula look even worse, you know because there's going to be all these questions about these lineups and decisions and was double big and who to play down the stretch. There's going to be a lot of decisions, a lot of questions about Joe Missoula's decisions. And when this season ends, unless it ends in a championship, um, then all I'm sure all will be forgiven, although there will be a lot of mistakes. But to me, Grant Williams stepped up four threes. He gave him the lift off the bench that they haven't had all series. You know, Miami's bench has been outplaying them. Miami's start has been outplaying them. For the first time, they out, especially the second half, because Caleb Martin looked like Michael Jordan again in the first half, 14 points. He couldn't miss. He missed four for four from the field. It was like, this dude's just on. It was mm. crazy. And then second half, they all got shut down. And it was like, for the first time in the series, the Celtics looked like the better team. And they pushed back, you know, and, and you know, what they did, I thought that was important was, it was like, they let Jimmy go, but they shut down everybody else. So in the second half, Miami was all Jimmy Butler. Yeah. You know, he had 29 points. Nobody else really stepped up and became a scorer. And it's like, that's how you beat the Heat. Okay, let Jimmy go for 35. But then you can't have Caleb Martin going for 28 and Gabe Vincent going uh, uh, for 29 and all that, right? So, but for me, it all started with Grant Williams. Just the steadiness, hitting open shots, like something they haven't done all series, playing that block on Jimmy Butler. Hey, you know, he didn't. I mean, I, I like that he didn't get all up in his face again or be like, see, revenge, fool. Like, he didn't do none of that. He just – He thought about it. No, he got the ball and he he got the block. He did a Bill Russell. He blocked the shot, kept it in play, grabbed the ball, and then ran back down the floor. Don't – no, don't – you don't need to talk to Jimmy. You made your point. And then he stuck to – because you down three nothing, so you trash talk ain't, ain't happening. So, to me, I, I say Grant Williams – and it leads to the question of what the hell, where the hell he's been um, throughout the series. I know he played some extensively in game two and people, some people blame him for the loss, which I don't agree with at all, but he should have been playing consistently all along. Yeah. Well, I've got a different player in mind, but just to, to piggyback off the Grant blame game and two, here, here was my biggest issue with that. It wasn't so much that Grant popped some smack and then, Jimmy went off. It's the fact that not a damn one of his teammates had his back uh, and used that moment as a way to back him up and to just, you again, use that negative moment as a positive. You know, I go back to when I was in Detroit and Rasheed Wallace guaranteed that the Pistons were going to win game two. And I remember talking to every single player on that team about that, and their whole position was the same. So that being said, looking at the Miami Heat side, what do you think went wrong for them in game four? Couldn't remember what game it was. It's all a blur. <laughs> well, it was game four because it's the only damn game the Celtics won. That matters. <laughs> we, we wouldn't be talking about anything if, if they didn't things go wrong for in, in game four. The Miami Heat, the problem for them 
I think, is 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 a there were a multitude of problems. First and foremost, uh, they did not play with a sense of urgency. I thought they looked like a team that had a three zero series uh, and knew that and knew that they were playing with house money. And yeah, they they wanted to win, but I don't think they really had that thirst for success that we've seen up to this point. Uh, second, they did not get uh, they didn't shoot the ball over three point range. They shot. I think it was eight for 25. And they, for most of this series, they've been in the 50s, 60s, uh, at worst, like high 40s. And so that was a problem. And third and lastly, uh, and, and Gary alluded to this earlier, they became a very one-dimensional team. And that one dimension was Jimmy Butler. You didn't really get that big monster game from Caleb Martin off the bench. You didn't get Gabe Vincent, you know, looking like Ray Allen out there. Uh, you didn't have, and Bam Adebayo. Uh, who has been a problem child for them this entire series, had as many points in the fourth quarter as us three here combined. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, and, and while somebody said, well, he was a foul he was a foul he still played damn near 11 minutes of the fourth quarter and had not a single goal attempt. Uh, shout out to Al Horford, uh, who was a big part of that, played like five minutes on him. And then, you know, Time Lord, Robert Williams III, did a really good job of making Bam as big a non-factor as we've seen him in this entire postseason series. So Miami's got some things that they're basically they're thinking is we just have to do what we normally do better. Uh, and if you're the Celtics, you have to remind them that you're not better. You have to you have to use game four as the blueprint. And it starts with their defense. I mean, I know they did. They knocked down a lot of shots. They made their threes. But it was their defense that was the difference. In the third quarter, they went on that 16-0 run. And in the third quarter, they got 10 points off of Miami's turnovers. They sometimes don't even get 10 points off turnovers for a damn game, let alone in a quarter. So that, to me, was when the game really started to shift and pivot in their direction, when that defense started generating some offense. They're going to have to keep that going in game five if they want to keep the season alive. Yeah, I thought the Heat um, played a good first half. Uh, they were up by six. It, it looked like, I mean, on many occasions, they were ready to kind of take control of the game. I mean, it was a nine-point lead in the first quarter, and it was, I think it was a nine-point lead early third quarter, but but definitely look was in control, I felt, in the first half. And I just thought their score, they, they played a very typical heat first half. Um, Caleb Martin had 14 points. Um, Gabe Vincent had 11, Adebayo had 10, Butler had nine, Kevin Love hits two three. So the balance scoring, they shot almost 53%. They weren't good from the three-point line, five for 16, but they were playing the type of half that game that they played in the first three games. Like, you know, just very good, solid, balanced scoring. In the second half, if you look at it, Jimmy Butler had 20 of their 43 points. Um. Caleb Martin, two points, which is a shocker. Adebayo did not score in the second half. He was 0 for 1. Uh, Max Troop had five points. Gave it like, they were Jimmy reliant. And I thought that that was one thing I'm sure they'll want to get away from. And, the, and, and those guys missed shots that they made in the series. There were so many shots in the series that you were like, no, he can't hit that. And they hit it, whoever it was. Gabe Vincent pulling up from 25 feet off the fast break. Um, Max Struess with a 30-footer, like, you know, Duncan Rock, like all these shots in the first three games, they played incredible ball and shot incredibly, almost 50% from the three-point line in the first three games. This time, I thought they were one-dimensional in the second half. I thought they were a little frustrated. And they turned the ball over, nine turnovers in the second half, three from out of bio, three from Lowry. Um who's not had a good series. He's had his moments, but not really had a good series. But um, I just thought they kind of came back to earth. And so the question for game five is, is this who they are? Or are they just going to bounce right back to that hot shooting team? And and that's the big question I think that they come away from because it seemed like the numbers surfaced. Like I think game four was a type of game that many people expected there was going to be a normal game in this series. They play hard, you know, the, the Heat play the t- Celtics tough, but the Celtics have too much talent and pull away and win pretty, you know, co- uh, convincingly. I think people thought that's how the series would go. 
even though you really look at it, you know, Jalen Brown didn't have a great game. Um, Horford had his moments and stuff like that. But the Celtics dominated the second half. And so the question going into game five, because this is such an unusual situation, usually the team that falls behind 3-0 is the underdog in the series. So game five of these situations, because it was just like that this year when, remember, Denver beat Minnesota 3-0, it was up 3-0, Minnesota won game four, then they had to go back to Denver for game five and really fought them to the final minute and lost in game five. This game is back in Boston. So the Celtics now have two more games, only one game, if necessary, left in Miami. So that's, I think, what's keeping, keeping people kind of thinking that they can re- re- rally for this because we don't know. Is this who the Heat are, the second half of game four, or were they just all off because all those guys were off? Jimmy wasn't quite dominant, Jimmy, although he had 20 points in the second half. You know, he got to the free throw line. He had a three. But the rest of the guys were pretty much – you know, we're, we're not good. I mean, the rest of the guys were eight for 26 from the, from the field, two for 14 from the three point line. I don't expect them to be that bad in game five, but I do expect them to level off a little bit. So the question is that can the Celtics respond with other guys besides Tatum in game five and get that one? Cause that's one obviously must win game. So I thought the heat, like I do agree with Sherrod. They did play a little bit. They, they played like they had a 3-0 lead. But I also thought they just missed shots. And the Celtics played good defense, and they turned the ball over. He turned the ball over. So it's it adds intrigue because it's like, well, this is the heat of the regular season. Are those guys back? Have they just played completely over their heads in the first three games, and now they're starting to level off because things usually do? We'll see in game five. Yeah, and that's one of the, the things that to, to kind of get back to your point, Gary. That they're, they, the Celtics, there's no way that they can go forward without even glancing, looking back at the fact that they gave a game away in this series. Uh, I, I think that if this thing were tied up at two-two, I think people would think that this thing's going to be over in six uh, because the Celtics look like who we've seen them for the regular season and, and for you know I'd say more stretches than not in the playoffs. And Miami has been playing out of this world. I can't tell you how many Celtics players have, have talked about how Miami's making tough shots. Miami's making tough shots. And they are, to some extent. But when you give them easy ones before the tough ones, the tough ones are so tough. Uh, and that, that's what we saw. I, I still think if you're, the, if you're the Boston Celtics, you have to come into this game with a defensive mindset. You have to come into this game thinking that that has to be your your pathway to, to, to victory. Uh, Bam out of bio was a non-factor. You start going down the line, a bunch of guys didn't make shots, in part because they never got a chance to get into a rhythm to make those tough shots. Uh, and I thought Jimmy, and I could be wrong, but I thought Jimmy for the first time in the series looked worn down. He looked as if the weight of that particular game was just, frankly, not allowing him to be as dominant. Uh, he got to his sweet spot, that that fadeaway baseline jumper. And that was the shot that Grant blocked. And it, it's it's like, you know that's where he wants to go. You know that's the shot he wants to take. And that particular moment in the game, I'm thinking like, damn, this thing is probably over now. Because if Jimmy's not only not making that shot, he's getting it blocked by the last guy on the Celtics front line and who's going to block your damn shot. Yep. I mean – I feel pretty damn confident. I think most people feel pretty damn confident if Grant's guarding you that you you may not make the shot, but you should be able to get it off. And and Jimmy and, and as Gary pointed out, he built Russell them on that shot, blocked it and got and got it afterwards. So um, I think that he will be better in, in Game Five. But I think the Celtics hopefully they will lock into the one thing that I think matters more than anything else, and it's their defense. Uh, I know Joe Mazzula, Gary's guy, loves to shoot threes. I know he wants his boys to shoot threes, but, yo, it's your defense that got you that first dub. Yeah. Don't go away from that. Mate. That should be the talk of, of that you're having. Those are the com- That needs to be the, the, the center point of the conversation you're having going into game five. Defense, defense, defense. Looking ahead to game five, what do the Celtics need to build on? So again, that they don't necessarily look, the odds are very slim, but what can they do to build upon that win in game four? Well, I, I talked a little 
a while ago about just their, their defense. But I think beyond that, they need to build on the success of the role players. Uh, I, when you look at every game in this series, role players have played a prominent role in the outcome. You know, get Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent have been huge for the Miami Heat. And if you look back at game four, Derek White sighting early. Um, I thought he was really, really good. Uh, he had 16 points, which is the best scoring game he's had in this series. But more importantly, uh, he was aggressive uh, at both ends of the floor. Uh, he was looking to attack and finish at the rim off the dribble. Didn't always work out for him. But the fact that he was putting in that work, putting in that effort, they need him to continue doing that. I thought Robert Williams did some nice things out there for the Celtics as well. The one guy that I think really is, is like way overdue to have just a monster breakout game is six men a year, Malcolm Brogdon. He's been really bad uh, in this series. I mean, I'm sorry, but two points in the last two games total, it, it, that's just not going to get it done. I mean, you're very, they're very fortunate that Grant Williams had a Grant Williams monster game. Uh, and they'll need him to be, continue to be a contributor as well. But they're going to need that group, those role players, to really play at a high level because that is – Frankly, what they've been missing in the three first in the first three games, they really didn't have that one dominant big time performance, uh, whereas Miami did. Yeah, I, I agree uh, that Brogdon needs to be better. The bench, I also think Jalen Brown needs to step up. Like Jalen Brown has not been good in this series. He might have cost himself some money because I don't know if you're the Celtics, you pay him that two hundred full two hundred ninety five max. He's eligible for considering how he's done and, and he needs a breakout game. I mean, he had 17 points, but it took 16 shots, one for five from three. He missed three free throws, um, you know, but I think this is the development. I think one of the developments in this series, and I think Jalen took three games to figure it out and maybe Joe did too. And then maybe that's another uh, kind of issue with the coaching staff. The heat are like, all right, Jalen, we know you like to attack. We're going to turn you into a playmaker. Like you don't pass the ball as well as J he doesn't pass the ball as well as Jason does. So they turn, they collapsed on Jalen and was like, okay, Jalen, here's your choice. Take on one on three. Cause you that bad dude or pass to an open man or a lob and get your two easy points. But the question is your mentality is the score. So you're going to take the one on three. So I think in game four, I think Jalen had four assists, you know, and I just thought that he was starting to pass the ball because he finally figured out, hey, fool, the heat is playing you to dribble into the paint, into traffic, and to try to make a play. Hey, fool. <laughs> right? That's the problem. And that's what, and you're playing right into their hands when you shoot one on three, or you're trying to shoot over at a bio, or you're trying to shoot with with Butler on your ass. Like that's exactly what they want you to do. In the first three games, that's what Jalen did, or he'd make a turnover or whatever. He was not efficient with the ball. He was not careful with the ball. In he didn't. He only committed one turnover. You got to give him credit for that because he can be a turnover prone player okay so 37 minutes one turnover jason had five you know we talk about that later but but a lot of more early you know that he had a rough first half but with Jalen, now okay you might have figured out the cheat code make plays lob it to rob pass it out to a three-point shooter pass to someone at the dunker spot like make them take it make them be uh regret sending three defenders at you and give someone else an easy two and I think that's opening the door I think what they've done not only have the Celtics played better they played better in game four they also figured out some things about Miami's defense now will Spolster come up with a whole brand new defense for game five potentially so it could be off or not <laughs> he, he's smart enough to come up with a new new wrinkle but if you're the Celtics you gotta make start making plays and, and, and rely more on the pass. They don't have a natural, like Marcus Smart's is close to a natural distributor that you have. Jason's a good passer, but they're forcing other guys to make plays. Like you said, Sherrod, Brogdon is just not, he's not finished well. 
the floater isn't going down, the three isn't going down. He had an early good game. I think he had 19 points in game two or game one. But he's supposed to be like, okay, I can get you 20 on tonight. You know, he's supposed to be that that spark plug off the bench, six man of the year. He's got to play like it. And he's playing tentative. And I don't know if he's hurt because that right forearm, uh, he had ice on it the other day, shoot around. Maybe he's just ailing and not saying anything. I understand that. You know, everybody's hurt at this time of the year. But Brogdon scoring 15 to 18 points wouldn't hurt the Celtics. It would take pressure off Jason and Jalen. Al shooting, making threes. That was a big, another development. Al, Al's been kind of, and I'm not, you know, it's to the point where if Al isn't hitting shots, he's not scoring. Like hitting, not three-pointers, not shots. If he's not, because he's not going to score at the rim. So if you have a guy who's playing 35 minutes and scoring two, two to four points, you know, how, how much does that really help you? And, you know, we all know Al's struggling defending Bam out of bio. Right. That's just the that's just the age thing. That's that's 26 to 36 or 20. I think what's bam 25. I think he's these Tatum age from 25, 26. That's 10 years younger, freak athletic, nice little moves. You know, Bam has really expanded his offensive arsenal. So I think if you're the Celtics, the, the Heat aren't gonna roll out any new players. Like this is who they are. Gabe Vincent's questionable, the ankle sprain. Um, but they, their players are going to have to play better. The Celtics players can also play better, which should give them advantage. Jalen can play better. Malcolm can play better. Um, you know, Marcus can play better. You know, I'm not saying Marcus played bad. He was okay, but four for 11. He took nine threes in game four, too many. He took as many as Jason. It's too many threes for Marcus. He made yeah. a couple. You know what that means. Yeah, yeah. I take a couple more. Yeah. yeah, because you know what they're doing. They're leaving, they let it. They're letting him shoot. They know this team. They know Marcus likes to shoot the open three. They're letting most of Marcus's threes are open. Why is he open? Because they want him to be open. Yeah, exactly. They want him to be open. And if you really look at it, Jalen and Marcus were a combined four, four for fourteen from three, and they still won by seventeen. So if they get performances out of those guys and solid performances from the guys like Horford and White and, and Brogdon, um, then they should be pretty good, good shape to send it back to Miami. But they got to play better at home, too. They're a bad home team. I, Let's be I don't know why. They just they, – they, they freeze at home in the fourth quarter. They blow – what is it now? How many – I mean, they blew – they blew the game two. They blew game five against Atlanta. They game blew game one against Philadelphia. They've got blown out at home against Philadelphia. Like they're yeah, just the not a good home. Four and five at home, which is not. I don't know what the deal is, but you got to protect home court. Like you got to win it all now, so you can't lose anymore at home. Yeah, right. Which, right. To yeah. that point, which I was going to ask. Oh, Sherrod, you can. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You got. No, I was going to ask what will being at home help considering the fact that they're not that good at home. And I will say, though, I noticed Jalen when he mentioned that the crowd needs to be better. There has definitely been a shift, no pun intended, but like in the amount of people, the the types of people that have been at the TD Garden, like I feel like in previous years, it has been very much fans and people that are willing to yell in the fourth quarter and do all the cheering. I was at, what game was it? Game two. And there was just no energy. And granted, they were down by you know, a, a decent amount at the end of the fourth, but I was just like, why is there no enthusiasm for helping your team rally back? In a, because it's not, clearly it's not impossible for this team to rally back in some ways. So I don't understand what's going on with not only the fans, but yes, their performance at home as well as a team. This is a, it's a slightly different clientele come playoff times because there's a slightly different price structure come playoff time. Uh, but I so feel like in previous playoff years, it hasn't been like that. No, but I, I, I think we're just kind of in that, that quirky period of time where it's a little bit different. And the other thing, too, and if we're being completely transparent about it, you got the, average has, oh. the average fan has trust issues with this team. That's um, a good point. Understandably so, because they don't give you reason to believe that they're going to play up to their potential. Like when Brad Stevens and those those, those kind of those teams that he threw together got to the plus, you knew that even if they played their absolute best, 
they're probably not going to win this series. They're probably going to just have a you know good try, good effort type of performance. This is different. This team is built to win a championship, and yet you don't feel that because they do things that championship caliber teams don't do. They let off the gas in ways that championship caliber teams don't do. They have disappearing acts from their top players, from their standout players, and it's not because the defense has all of a sudden found the cheat code on how to lock them up. It's like they're basically they're self-reporting themselves and going into the jail the damn selves and, and locking the key behind themselves and put themselves in purgatory. That If you're a fan, it's just like, damn, do I really want to show up and pay several hundred dollars to see that? Or am yeah. I just going to maybe chill out and watch this thing on TV? Um, so they, and to some extent, they make it very tough for fans to really believe that they can do what they what they're capable of doing talent wise because they don't always their effort and energy and focus and attention to detail doesn't always align itself with what their talent clearly says that they should be doing out there. So, yeah, you notice a shift, a change, a difference. I don't know. That's a good question. I just think. Like, I do think the crowd is more apprehensive as the game wears on and the game is closer because they're expecting kind of a Celtics collapse. Uh-huh. Um, but I just don't see, like, I I think, you know, the, the crowd's been loud, great game seven, you know, against a, against Philly or whatever, you know. But I don't know. It's just it's just some teams just don't – I just think that's the identity of this team over the last couple of years. They just don't play well at home. They're a better road team. They won – Eastern Conference Finals last year, they lost twice at home to Miami and they won twice at Miami, you know, including game seven. It was like, it is, it is, it is I don't know. I think it's like they know, thrive with the chip on their shoulder. Maybe that's what this whole season is about. I think teams prepare because they know boss is a tough place to play mm-hmm. and they get their sleep and they, and they, and they think, but they also go in thinking they have a chance to win. And I think that's the one thing during the big three teams knew they couldn't win and you know even the 80s big three or you know Garnett Pierce and Allen I don't think teams really thought that they could come to Boston and get a dub you know they they was going to catch themselves off guard mm-hmm. and now I think teams know this team is susceptible at home just like teams go to Miami mine's not a great mine's not a great they, now this is their first home loss of the playoffs but they're not a great home team you know what I'm saying some of these teams are not not great at home you know Denver is Denver you know and the Lakers were until they lost game game three and four at home but to me um it's just something I don't know if it's like the crowd I want to blame the crowd do I think it's a different clientele uh yeah I mean obviously we can get into the economics of that of like the lower bowl and the crowd and the and the you could is there more of a wine and cheese crowd or is there more a more group of people just looking for autographs and just there to like i don't you know there to get stuff signed and not really you know not it's a it's It's to say they were there yeah it's 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 a lot it's a lot it's a lot corporate families and the and it's just like they're just you know I mean, but I do think Celtic fans are like no other. I mean, they they get into the game. They're a very knowledgeable basketball crowd. Yeah. But the Celtics have to figure out how to turn that around now. Because you're going to have to win two more home games to advance. Like, home is going to be is where the heart is. This is where you're going to have to make this, you know, you only got one more game, if that, at my, if necessary, at Miami. You know, you've shown you can win at Miami. But you got to win at home. They got to – and I'll, I'm surely – I'm sure that he – or know they can win at Boston. Like, they are not like, oh, boy, you got to – oh, sh-. now, they might be like that for game seven because anything can happen at game seven, but I don't think, you know, they're coming to Boston tomorrow and being like, oh, man, this crowd's going to eat us alive. Like, they – no, they fully believe, believe they can win in Boston in game five. All right. It's almost time. The moments are counting down. To the biggest game of the Celtics' lives. <laughs> and maybe the last one. If they, it might be the last one in 2023. But looking ahead, I have a quick pick and roll for the two of you. Who needs this big game more? Pick the person. Why are you rolling with them? Joe Mazzula, Jason Tatum, or Jalen Brown? I'm going to pick Gary's favorite person in the whole wide world, Joe Mazzula. 
Oh, Bestie alert. Joe Missoula is the is among those three. He's the one who I think people have the the, the most questions about. Uh, lineup decisions, rotations, uh, in-game decision-making. Uh, I, I think he needs to really check off a lot of boxes in a positive way for the Celtics to win this thing. Uh, I, I think he's got to figure out just which combinations were best and, and just – Managing the game. That's the part about coaching that I don't think gets enough uh, attention. It's the ability to manage the game. And Joe, I think, has been kind of up and down in that regard. I think he's had moments where he looked really good and others where he didn't look nearly as good. He needs to be relatively consistent at an elite level for them to get out of this thing. He's got he's to push the right buttons at the right times to get the right results for self-experience. Yeah, I'm gonna say Missoula because Missoula might be fighting for his job. Like, let's be honest. If they lose this series, all hell could break loose. And I'm not talking about like, like, like it just could be a lot of shit going on. Excuse my language. A lot of stuff going on, and um, all hell could break loose in terms of like what they do. What, like, what happens with this team? You just run it back, bring everybody back, and because if they have regardless of how they end the season, when they have the betting lines and the fan duels and all that for the favorites to win the East next year, the Celtics are going to be the favorites because every team in the East, most of them have their issues. Milwaukee needs a coach and they got some impending free agents and they're getting old. Billy uh, needs a coach. Billy needs a coach. And they got James Harden issue. Is he coming back? The Knicks are okay, but we, as we saw, they got definite weaknesses. Um, Brooklyn still doesn't really have a star. You know, Cleveland was kind of exposed in the playoffs, but they'll be better. But are they going to be championship caliber? Atlanta, who knows what to make of, of the Hawks. Mm -hmm. um, so we're talking about the East, and you're looking, and the Celtics are like, okay, they should be favorites again next year. So your championship window is open. Hmm. Not – but it ain't going to be open forever. And you need to get a chip out of Jason and Jalen. Like, that's just the bottom line. You tr you take two All-NBA players. You take two guys that are the, one of the best at the, each position. You take two guys with these third overall picks over the years for that Nets trade. You need to get – you need a return out of that. So, to me, the sales going to figure out how do we change this and make us better. As a Celtics, like what do, as a team, an organization, upgrade the coaching staff, bring Joe back, but have revamp the staff, which I think is a is the minimum that will happen. Um, I think there's going to be some a lot of new coaches on this staff for next year if Joe returns. Hire a new, savvier, more experienced head coach who has had maybe championship experience, who could take this team to the finals and knows what to do against Eric Spolstra and is not getting caught off guard and getting exposed and making mistakes and all that. Do you hire that guy and just say, Joe, it's been great. We love it. We love you, but we got to win a chip next year. And, or do you hope that Missoula's growth from year one to year two is great enough to where he can take you to that level with a more experience? There's a lot of decisions to make. And then what do you do about the roster? Do you bring everybody back? Do you try to make a can trade? Or to bring everybody back? Yeah, like contractually, the, the only positive that people are not talking about this is that if Danilo Gallinari opts in, then that's like having a free agent because he ain't played this year. Mm -hmm. So you get that stretch four, you get that guy down. He's on the back end, not back nine of his career. And he might not have the athleticism, but he can shoot the ball and he can stretch the floor. So if you bring if he comes back, he's like, hey, I'm opting in. Y'all have my back when I was hurt. I'll just take the extra six million for the second year and I'll give you return on that. I'm not going to leave having never played one game for the Celtics. And who knows? That's the business of the league. So I wouldn't blame him if he did. He got a better offer somewhere else. But if he does come back, that's like having a free agent. But what do you do with the rest of the roster? So so much is relying on this game from Missoula. Because believe me, guys, believe me, gals, believe me, everybody. There are people who are reaching out to Brad Stevens and Whit Grusbeck, showing their interest in the Celtics job. Like this is a, this is a, this is a, this is a 
this piranhas in the water, right? And they are looking at this situation and going, um, my client or whoever could take your team to the championship, he's available. Or, you know, people are, are thinking about this job. They know that Missoula's on shaky, shaky ground. And so Missoula might be cold. I mean, I think if they had gotten bombed in game four and just gave up, I think he was gone. This is my opinion. I think, I think ownership would have made a move. Okay, so he's now coaching for his job and his long-term security. Even though Brad loves him, I think they've got, they've got to understand where the position they're at. This is your championship window because there are going to be teams coming. There are going to be the, there's going to be teams with a bunch of youngsters, the Detroits and the Charlottes and all those, and you can laugh all you want. They're going to put all them young dudes together, and they're going to be Jason and Jalen in a few years, right? They're going to have talent. You All these teams, Orlando, who beat this other three times this year, the Magic are trying to make the play. Like The Magic is, they got another lottery pick. The Magic's trying to get good, right? So you got teams who are emerging. You can't laugh at, you know, like, you got to look, okay, it ain't, it ain't another five years. So the window could be five years, depending on Jason and Jalen, how long, they, you know, their career. They're not close to 30. But you want to win a chip out of these dudes. So what they have to do is figure out how to do that next year. And is Joe the guy for that? That's what they're going to have to Or is Joe the guy with a more experienced staff? Okay. A vet, an old head, a Sam Mitchell or – uh, you know, Sherrod's buddy, he wouldn't leave Indiana, but Mike Woods is like, do they, did they, would that have helped them this year? Yes, I do think it would have. And there's plenty of Frank, Frank Vogel, there's plenty of guys who will not get ahead coaching jobs that would love to take the Celtics job as lead assistant or one of the top assistants. So there's a lot that, ha that has determined with this series. Mm -hmm. And Joe saved the job, I believe, with that win in game four. Can he continue? If they lose in seven or lose in six, will he dial it makes it more, you know, because, but as I mentioned earlier, all the questions about not playing Grant, the crazy, strange rotations, some of the uh, tactical mistakes, um, being too offensive minded, relying too much on the three pointer, not improving the defense, all that's going to start coming in to play of like, well, whose fault is that? It lies on Missoula. Yeah. yeah. I, it's it's two-edged because I might be the only Missoula apologist. Obviously, this team has been very talented. Over the last few years, he got thrown into a situation and quite frankly still was able to swim despite those odds getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I do agree that there have been some questionable coaching decisions made as well. But, and again, not to speculate, but I... I imagine there's something, there's a deeper issue than just him being a rookie coach, especially when it comes to Grant Williams. I don't know if something happened internally. Again, all, again, speculating, even though I don't like speculating. But is he really, like, the biggest person to blame? And I also, sidebar to that, how do you get experience as an NBA head, head coach? Granted, this is definitely an unconventional way to do so without having those mistakes made. So... If I'm Brad Stevens, why would I not give him a chance to try again next year if they realize that the issue, you know, what exactly the issues were this year and are able to address it? Because it well, seems yeah. as though everyone's on the mentality of he needs to go. And I'm like, I don't know. Why not give him another chance? Well, see, here's you know the thing about the, the he needs to go uh, crowd. Brad Stevens, when he elevated him to being the head coach, he knew going in that this was someone who had never really done the job at this type of level, mm -hmm. even in a number two capacity uh, as a lead assistant. And so there were going to be growing pains. And Brad, having gone through this himself, knows that there's regular season growing pains and then there's playoff growing pains. They're two completely different animals. That's why I never, I've, I've never got a sense that he was coaching for his job only because he has a GM who's going to make that, decision ultimately mm -hmm. who understands probably sure? better than most some so of the things sure it's going to be a gm or is it going to be the owner well the, we'll see and that's uh, well that's the and other that's the other yeah caveat brad don't own brad don't own brad don't own a team brad don't own a team but, don't own a team. but no, let's but, be honest but those who do, brad's not losing his job either 
No, Brad's not losing his job, but the thing is, I think what you're talking about, like, I think, Kwani, I think in normal circumstances, the, 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 the whole give him another chance thing generally would work. But I also think when you have a new coach, usually they take over a bad team. Right. Okay. Because okay, it's especially black coaches, but we can get another. another that's all, that's all, yeah. <laughs> but if you're when that's you're a coach, you very rarely take over a championship caliber team. You take generally take over. Now in Philadelphia, that'll be different. Whoever was taking over the Philly job will have a team that's primed to win or try to win a championship. So the pressure to win is exponentially higher than if you're taking over Orlando or Charlotte or you know, uh, Houston, right? Ime, for example, bad example in terms of a man, but this is a situation. He just needs to take a step forward with the youth of, of the Rockets, make them more competitive. There's not pressure on him to go to the playoffs this year. With Missoula, there's pressure to win a title because, remember, Jalen's up for 295 and Jason's up for 318. Ownership does not want to pay $600 million without no damn championship. So who is the coach to lead them to the championship? Like, is Missoula the best choice? And that's what they'd ask. Who's the best like choice? That, who's the best choice okay. to win next year? Next year. Because if you look at the West, you know, it's going to be the same Memphis's. Then Denver will be back. Mm-hmm. And it will be... LeBron might know, decide to return one more. knows about the Lakers if yeah. LeBron is here. Golden State, LeBron. Um, yeah, Oklahoma Dallas. We don't, we don't know what to make. Like Sacramento will be a team to watch. Obviously, they'll grow, but Missoula got to like. You need a championship caliber coach next year, and that's the, the which differs. Which I I would be softer on this stance if it was like, hey, they did pretty good this year. He did do pretty good, but you're in the middle of a championship window. They wasted their championship window last year, up to one in the series and didn't get, okay, you lost a more experienced team. This was supposed to be the year. It still might be if they make this miracle comeback, but Denver's good. But now you can't rely that it's going to be three to four more. Oh, well, give Joe two to three more years. He'll be okay. In Miami. Between that and Jalen and Jason still not, not that they have, they've clearly been gotten better over the years, but they're also on the trajectory of getting you know, more playoff experience and figuring out how to play. So I think the same goes. No, totally, Joe. totally. But I think what, what, what I think with Joe is he has to know how to handle a championship roster. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and people are like, well, you know, Jalen Squelch, you said all those things about the locker room. There's not, there's some issues in that locker room. Absolutely. Just, I think we just, can all see that. There's issues in the locker room. I'm not saying I'm not saying they're about to choke each other. Yeah. I'm not saying they hate each other. No, 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 no. But I'm saying that don't tell me Grant Williams is a big fan of Missoula when he ain't played or Peyton Pritchard. Don't tell me so. so but are also those, people are fans of Grant Williams when he gets into a scuffle with Jimmy Butler and they don't have his back. They don't have his back. I'm not saying y'all all got to you pull up on Jimmy and fight him, but. Yeah, but they got to be like, hey, man, back up, back up. That's like, do something. Yeah, that's what his team needs. The team needs a damn enforcer. They need a they need yeah. a dog, right? And Sherrod knows about dogs. Rock, I do, I do, <laughs> I do. They, they breed they breed dogs in Detroit. <laughs> now, um, careful. The fact is, is that what the Celtics need to figure out is who is best to take advantage of this window, and is it Joe? And I said that, and you're right. Jason and Jalen will grow. And I'm sure Joe will be a better coach next year. Mm-hmm. But is that enough? Because now you're starting to waste windows, and this is what's going to happen. What you don't want is Jason and Jalen, 30 years from now, to be on some 30 for 30, talking about how they could have won. What if I told you they were the best team that never Yeah, did. how they could have won a chip in Boston and had this been different and that been different, and they'd be, and they're going to be having pina coladas on some, um, in some out pool in Miami talking about what they could have done. And you know, dapping each other up and talking about, oh man, those are the good old days, but we didn't we didn't get a chip. I don't think they'll end like that Peyton, if they don't Gary Payton and Sean Kemp talking about, oh, we could have like what you don't want is regrets and you ought to sell all out for a title. So I and it's like I said, I'm not against Joe, but I think you have to strongly consider, and I'm sure ownership will, 
is he the coach to get you to that level now? Not, you know, three, not three, four years from now. Who knows how that's going to be? Nah, 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 now. Did he now. just did he use his stutter on that? Okay. <laughs> now. That's well, the problem because this was supposed to be their championship year. Last year was, they, was a little bit early, maybe. But if they see, if you sit there and watch the Miami Heat in the championship, the Celtics are going to be like, you know, that should be us. Yeah. Damn it, we blew it. We blew it. Oprah yeah. should say that, and it's going to be a source of, of embarrassment, and they're going to have to come back with this unfinished business again. Are you run that slogan back again next year? Oh yeah. You know, yeah. so I nothing against Joe. I think he's done remarkable in terms of, like, weathering the storm of a really bad situation. But the question is, is he that guy to take them over the top? That's why Phoenix fired Marty Williams. That's why Toronto got rid of Nick Nurt. Like, it happens. Good coaches lose their jobs, especially first-year coaches. Doc got fired in Orlando. All these coaches get fired. Marty Williams got fired in New Orleans. Like, most good coaches got the heave-ho in their first job. This is not their first. Only Spolstra and Pop are the two coaches that didn't Get fired in their first, didn't fire it on the day off. They didn't get fired in their first job. So that's what the Celtics have to think about. Well, I think one of the ways, Gary, that I think they'll address that is, is I don't think they're going to kick Joe to the curb, but I do think they're going to basically cover their cover basically cover their asses on this uh, by hiring somebody like a Frank Vogel as like a lead assistant. And if Joe is struggling. And you cut him loose. Guess who's going to be the new head coach? Next man the up, the guy that's already won a chip. So I, I, I do think that's part of the strategy that they're going to add a seasoned vet to that bench. That in case things get a little squirrely, and the guy that they're investing in that they think can lead them doesn't get it done, they've got a clear plan B that, in many respects, might be as good or better than their plan A. I, I think that's going to be the mindset because. I just, I think, and we know that this organization is very conscious of their image. Uh, and the optics of having a third coach in three years uh, from that they're bringing in, that's not a good look. But if you promote from within because one of the coach, because the coach is not getting done or is struggling, that's that's a much more palatable uh, scenario for them to, to, to have going forward. So um, I, I look for them to get an elite assistant who has some, who has some cash in. Frank Vogel to me makes a lot of sense, especially knowing how tight him and Brad are. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Hmm. So, well, we should all see how Thursday evening ends. I love that every episode has basically been a cliffhanger. Thank you all yeah. for sticking with us throughout this playoff season. Who knows where we'll be next week? What we'll we be talking about? But until then, thanks again for listening. For HR Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani Lunas. This is the A-List Podcast. Thanks for being here.